Welcome to Wednesday Night at Faith Assembly, featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you've joined us. Well, Wednesday night Bible study, we're going through the book of 2 Thessalonians. And so we're in chapter 2. And if you'll remember last week, Paul wrote to these folks a second time because they were still struggling with all the issues of the return of Christ, the rapture, the second coming, the Antichrist, all of that. It was creating confusion. They had all kinds of questions. In his first book, he wrote to them about it. And his second book here, let me give it to you again. I got to clear it up. And so we looked at that last week. And now he kind of shifts and does something that is just really remarkable. In essence, what he does is, let me focus your responsibilities. Let me focus your way of living. Let me focus your mindset on what really matters. And sometimes it's easy for us to get distracted by all the the little things we want to know, and we forget about the basics. And so we're going to look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 13 to 17 tonight. And so it begins with, God wants us to be holy. If you notice, we keep coming back to that over and over again. And again, holiness is separate. He wants us to be apart. He wants us to be different than the rest of the world. We're not the same. We don't believe the same. We don't think the same. We don't act the same. Holy. Verses 13 and 14. Notice what he says. As for us, we can't help but thank God for you, dear brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord. We are always thankful that God chose you to be among the first to experience salvation, a salvation that came through the Spirit who makes you holy and through your belief in the truth. He called you to salvation when we told you the good news. Now you can share in the glory of our Lord Jesus. So, first of all, we have been shown His love. That's what He says there right at the beginning. You know, He loved you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord. How did He show us His love? Romans chapter 5, verse 8. God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. That verse is just an amazing verse to me. Basically, what it's saying is, God loved you so much that when you didn't care, He loved you anyway and still paid the price for you to be forgiven. Even when you weren't interested, even when you were still a sinner going another direction, God still loved you. And that's a great thing to remember. God doesn't love us Christians more than He loves people who aren't saved. God loves everyone in this world, period. All the same. And so we've been shown His love. That love was demonstrated. Greater love is no one than you lay down your life. And that's what Jesus Christ did because why? One reason, God loves us. God loves us. That's good to know. You're loved. Great to know. That means, secondly, we can be saved. We can be saved. Now remember, there's a little text number up there. If you have a question, just text and we'll try to answer it. And so the number is there on your screen or on your notes there. So we can be saved. See, God has chosen us to be saved. Now that word chosen doesn't mean I choose you, but don't choose you. You know, chosen doesn't mean you got picked, you didn't. Chosen means He chose for everyone to be saved. God doesn't want anyone to perish. 
He wants everyone to have everlasting life, correct? So, Paul says, you were chosen when you heard that message. You know, that's when you were saved. They were called to salvation by the preaching of God's Word. He's chosen all of us to be saved. But it's our choice whether or not we will respond. God chose us. Will we choose Him? That's how it boils down. God has chosen you. He loves you. He died for you. He chose you. He wants you to become His child. Will you choose Him? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. Even before He made the world, God loved us and chose us to be in Christ, to be holy, without fault in His eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into His own family by bringing us to Himself through Jesus Christ. This is what He wanted to do, and it gave Him great pleasure. God chose the children of Israel to be His nation, didn't He? But not all of them accepted that, did they? And so what we understand and what we know, God loved us, and He loved us so much that He says, here's what I want for you. I want you to accept me and to come be a part of my family. I choose you. But you can rebel and choose not to be a part of that family, can't you? And so don't get hung up on that word chosen, because some think, well, then this person's chosen, this is not, it's all predestined, predetermined, I don't have a choice of the matter, God's already chosen, he's going to be saved, and he's not. No, you got a free will. He chose to love you, and he chooses you to be saved, but you and I still have that responsibility. And Paul's writing to these people, and he says, look, in the midst of all your confusion, and in the midst of the suffering that you're going through, don't forget, God chose you. He loves you. He wants you to be a part of His family, and you can be saved. But then He reminds them that salvation comes through the Spirit. You are saved how? You are saved through the Spirit who makes you holy. Through the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is at work today in everyone's life, saved and not saved drawing them to Christ. He is at work. That's what He wants to do. He is trying to help you come to God. Ephesians 2.18, now all of us, everyone, can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. Remember last week we talked about how the, the, the Paul wrote to them and said, the Antichrist is not coming, nothing's happening until the restraining force is pulled out, until that which is holding him back is removed. Holy Spirit, that's what he's doing. He's helping people, he's drawing people, he's working in people's lives, he's calling them, he's whispering to them. He's pleading with them, he's doing everything he can. Let me come, come to Christ, come to Christ. Be what Christ wants you to be. 1 Peter 1-2, God the Father knew you and chose you long ago, and His Spirit has made you holy. The Holy Spirit lives within you, correct? So therefore, you're to be holy. As a result, you have obeyed Him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. May God give you more 
and more grace and peace. Now, I don't know about you, but I always need more grace. In spite of what Kevin said earlier, I am not perfect. Now, I'm close to perfect because I'm married to my wife. You can take that however you want. So, I need more grace. And is there ever a time that you and I have lived that we don't need some peace? That in the midst of all that's happening, I don't have to be upset. I don't have to be in turmoil. I don't have to be anxious. God gives us peace. The Holy Spirit's presence in your life brings peace. And when you don't have peace, you're forgetting whose you are. You're forgetting who resides within you. And He gives you grace, the strength, the power to go on, and the peace that you and I need that the world cannot give. He gives us peace. So the salvation comes through the Spirit, and like I said earlier, it is contingent on our belief. It's contingent on our belief. Am I willing to receive what God has done and believe that He can save me? Romans 10.9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. What's the word? If you believe. You confess it, you say it, you believe it. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it's by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. And so you and I come to that place where I understand God chose me but I have to believe in Him and the work of Christ on the cross. I have to believe that He has my best interest at heart. I have to believe that the Holy Spirit is working within me and gives me the grace that I need and helps me and directs me and is able to take care of me and provide for me and will lead me and let me sense the love of God. Ephesians 2.8, God saved you by His grace when you believed. You can't take credit for this it is a gift of God. So, God chose me. The Holy Spirit wants to set me apart, make me holy, and make me separated unto God. I am His, and I live for Him because I believe in Him. Now, that means that you and I have to live by faith, doesn't it? Faith means you don't get to understand it all. And this is what trips a lot of people up. Well, I don't understand how this works, and I don't understand how this goes on, and I don't understand what God means by this. And I, welcome to my, cl- my world. There's a lot of things about God and what He does I don't understand, but I choose to believe it anyway. Now, that's hard for us because by nature, most of us are skeptics. I want proof. The proof is Jesus Christ died on a cross. That's the proof. That's the truth. And I choose to believe he did that and that when he did that, my sins can be forgiven and I can live a holy, godly life through his spirit that resides within me. And I believe that more than anything else. 
And there's no substitute for that. There's no way around it. Well, can't you explain this to me? No, there's a lot of things I can't explain to you. But we choose to believe it anyway, don't we? The righteous will live by their faith. This is what I, well, I was talking to somebody and they don't tend to believe this. They don't believe that Jesus did that and they don't believe this. Okay, they don't, but we do. And so Paul's writing to these people and saying, look, there's a lot of people coming into your midst that are trying to deceive you, that are taking you down a wrong road. You have to take what I've shared with you, take what you know, take what God did through Christ and believe it and live it. So that's where he begins. He begins with this, we've been shown his love and, and salvation comes because of him. And so we, we believe that. And then we will share in his glory. We will share his glory. Notice what that last part in verse 14 says, you can share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. And, and I think I told you the, a couple of weeks ago, this is one of those concepts that just fascinates me. How am I going to share the glory of God? God's greatness, God's goodness, His glory. I mean, think about it. We're going to be in heaven, and in heaven there's no sun and doesn't need to be because He's the light. How do I share in His glory? I do not understand this, but I believe it. Okay? Wow, if I do this, I get to share part of God. Romans 8, 17. Since we're his children, we're his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share in his glory, uh, we must also share in his suffering. Now, are the people he's writing to suffering? You bet they are. Do sometimes we suffer? Yes. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. No matter how hard your life gets or difficult it is, no matter how much you maybe are persecuted because of your stand for Christ, it will be minute compared with God, what God does for you in sharing his glory. And Paul writes and says, you know, what we suffer now, it's nothing compared to the glory of God that he was going to share with us. That's just incredible. Don't lose hope. Colossians 3.1, since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sets in the place of honor at God's right hand. And think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Boy, that would help us sometimes in the midst of the struggles of life, wouldn't it? To get our eyes off of what's going on around us and in us and, and to us and think about heaven, my home place, where I, where I long for. For you died to this life. And your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. That victory is incredible. 
of what is ours because of what Christ has done. So Paul writes, look, folks, he says to these people in Thessalonica, I, I know you're going through a hard time, and I know you got a lot of questions, and I know things don't always make sense to you, and I know there's people making it hard for you to serve God, and I know there's people that are bringing confusion into you, but don't miss the basics. Don't miss what God is doing and what God has promised and the love of God and the power that you have because of God's presence in you through His Holy Spirit and what God's going to give to you down the road later. Don't miss it. He could have written this today because there's a lot of people who get confused by end time stuff and they want to understand it all. And here's the thing. I think too many Christians think more about the Antichrist than they think about the glory of God. Oh, it's going to be, no, it's going to be horrible. No, no, it's going to be great. God's glory. That's where we're headed. That's what we're about. And that's who we are. And then he says, in order for things to go right, you have to hold on to the truth. You have to hold on to the truth. Notice what he says in verse 15, 2 Thessalonians. With all these things in mind, everything we've just talked about, everything that we've just, just went through, with all these things in mind, dear brothers and sisters, stand firm and keep a strong grip on the teaching we passed on to you, both in person and by letter. Don't forget what I told you, and now I'm writing to you, you need to hold on to the truth. Now, you see, you and I are growing up in a culture that is making truth relative. Truth is my truth, what I think is true, and truth is not relative. Truth is truth, and you and I don't get to determine what it is. It's determined for us. And Paul says, you hold on to these truths that I've given to you. Don't move from the truth of the gospel. And you see, we're kind of a people that we tend to reject anything. No. Have you got something new? You know, is there a new thing? No. It's just the old stuff. Been around for a couple thousand years. Jesus Christ came, died on a cross. Salvation is available through Him. I believe in Him, and therefore I have life. And that doesn't change. That's always, well, about something new and exciting. How much more exciting can you be? How, you know, we tend to, human nature tends to believe the lies and reject the truth. And so what's the Antichrist? He's the father, Satan is, he's the father of lies. Well, truth, I know that's old, but isn't there something new? No. You see, we want something new and exciting, don't we? How about old and exciting? That's just as good, right? Come on, I got to believe that. I'm old. I want to be exciting too, okay? And so we have to hold on to the truth. And so he says to them, look, you stand firm. Stand firm. He writes elsewhere in Ephesians. He says, look, here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand firm. I want you to put on some armor and I want you to stand firm in what you know and in who you are. Take a stand and don't waver in that. Ephesians 6.11 
put on the whole of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. We're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Boy, I wish we could remember that when we think other people are our problem. They're not, never are. It's a flesh and blood thing. We're not fighting the flesh and blood. We're fighting, here's what he says, but against evil rulers, authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. That's who you're fighting against. Wow, I'm fighting against evil spirits, and I'm fighting, ooh, spooky. How am I going to stand up out of that? Well, he tells you, therefore, because that's who you're fighting, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil, and then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground. Put on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. In other words, what we just talked about, what he just relayed to them, put that on and stand firm in it and don't let anything move you off point. And then whatever the enemy does, you will still be able to stand firm because you know what you believe, you know who you are, you know who God is and what he's done and how much he loves you and you know what he's going to do and you know what's in front of you. That's how you defeat the enemy. Well, but it's so hard. Yeah, it is. But it's right. Colossians 2.8, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world. Remember, that's who you're fighting against, rather than from Christ. Don't, don't go off those trails. Don't let anybody else, no matter where you hear it, stay true to what God's Word says. So you stand firm and you take a strong grip. A strong grip. You, you, you stand firm and you hold on. You hold on. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 Don't stifle the Holy Spirit. Why should you not stifle the Holy Spirit? Because the Holy Spirit lives within you and He's the one who's going to help you be holy, isn't He? You want Him to be free to help you do that, don't you? Don't scoff at prophecy. In other words, when somebody preaches, somebody says, don't just, ah, that's old stuff. But test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good, what is right, what is truth, and stay away from every kind of evil. That's holiness. Stay away from it. 2 Timothy 1.13, hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching you learned from me, a pattern shaped by the faith and love that you have in Christ Jesus. Through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, Carefully guard the precious truth that has been entrusted to you. Keep it close. Hold on to it. Don't let it waver. Keep being faithful. And so that's what he tells them. He says, look, I want you to stand firm. You hold on to what's right, what you know. You hold a grip onto it. You don't let it waver in what you're doing. Why? Because God has given us a wonderful hope a wonderful hope. Verses 16 and 
17, 2 Thessalonians. Now, after he's just, now, I'm done here now. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us, he's already proven that, and by his grace gave us eternal comfort and a wonderful hope, comfort you and strengthen you in every good thing you do and say. So he, he loved us, and by his grace, through grace, he, through grace, through his power. Remember, Paul prayed for the thorn to be removed, and he did it three times, and what did he hear? God telling him, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace will get you through your hard times. My grace is what you need. You don't need me to take it away. You don't need an explanation. You just need my grace. And so God says, I'll give you my grace. And what will that grace do? It's a great phrase. Eternal comfort and a wonderful hope. Life gets difficult when you lose hope. And many times we lose hope because our hope is in the wrong place. I hope this goes away. I hope I don't have to deal with that. I hope they'll make a different choice. I hope things turn out. No, hope means one day, I'm going to be with God forever, and I'm going to share His glory in eternity in heaven. And I believe that. And that's hope through grace. Psalm 94, 19, when doubts filled my mind, your comfort gave me renewed hope and cheer. There it is. When I begin to question, God, you're there. Your word, all you've done, your character. And then he says, comfort and strengthen you in every good thing you do and say. So in other words, my whole life, may God help me to stand and hold on to the truth, but also to live it. I'm not immobile but I am firmly rooted in God's love and God's principles, and I want to live it. Now, just let me tell you something. The best way you hold on to truth is to live it. Live it. Do it. Well, but I don't understand. Do it anyway. It's like a parent with a child when you got your kids. You know, one of the things I worked at with my kids was trying to help them understand when they were young that if I said something, they needed to do it because it's going to be true. And why should I do that? Because I said so. I still believe that's a great answer. Okay? Why should I serve God like this? Because he said so. I trust him. I believe him. And so, you know, we hold on to the truth and we live it. And we don't just defend the truth, we display it. We live it. It's a great thing to live for God in the midst of it all, because we got much to help us. James writes about this. Here's what he says. Don't just listen to God's Word. Don't just know all about it. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. You see, if, you're not, if you say you believe something and don't live it, you're confused, aren't you? If you listen to the Word and don't obey it, 
It's like glancing at your face in a mirror, which you try not to do much anymore, you know, sometimes. You see yourself, you walk away, and you forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, God will bless you for doing it. Now that's encouraging words to these folks that are going through this time. That's encouraging words for us today. So no matter where you find yourself and what you're dealing with, you come to that place where here's what God says. God loves you. He chose you. He he cares for you. He demonstrated his love. He wants you to choose him. And if you will take a stand for what you know to be true, with the Holy Spirit's presence in your life helping you, and knowing that God's grace is sufficient, and believing that one day we will share with Him in heaven all that He is, you can endure whatever this life brings your way. But when you forget it, life gets very hard and difficult. So how are you doing with that? How's that working for you right now? Are you in that place where, boy, I'm really confident here and I'm doing this? Are you sometimes wavering and doubtful and, well, I just don't know. Things aren't going the way I thought they would and everything else. And you allow the enemy to come in and get your attention off what really matters and what's really true. So I would encourage you, hold on to the truth that sets you free. Let's pray. Lord, tonight we thank you for the reminder. It's something many of us have heard a lot, but it's still the truth. It doesn't change. It never will, because it's right. So would you help us to live that life with the confidence that you give to us, with the assurance that comes through your presence, through your spirit in our life, with the promise of what you've said is going to happen in our future? And would you help us to stand firm? That we not give in to what the enemy is trying to do by lying to us, but that we will hold on to the truth that you give to us, knowing that it will be worth it all. Thank you for the strength that you give, and thank you for the hope that we have And we go to live in that today. In thy name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Thank you for joining us for tonight's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. We also gather on Sunday mornings at 8.15 and 10.45 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next time for Wednesday night at Faith Assembly. Faith Assembly's Wednesday night is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.